made it to the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And here we are. It is another edition of the spoiler room. Thank you so much, folks, for coming on down, pulling up a chair and listening to us gab and discuss and hobnob about films. And tonight uh, we've got an interesting one from 1996, and it is Set It Off. And tonight I've got a crew member joining me tonight to talk about this uh, very interesting action drama, I guess you could uh, deem it as. And it's none other than the lovely Andrew Shearer is once again uh, joining us in the spoiler room. Hello, Andrew. How are you, sir? Hey, man. I'm, I'm, it is lovely to be lovely. And thank you for wanting to talk about this movie. This is one of my favorite ones. Is it really? Yeah, awesome. yeah, man. I, I, I watched it on uh, election night last year. Oh, that's that's a good way, especially considering the election. That's not a bad way to spend that night. Yeah, when I when I saw how things were going, I was like, you know what? I need something I could set it off with. <laughs> well, this film uh, definitely does that. And uh, Andrew, you do these so well. If you don't mind at all, would you mind telling our listeners what Set It Off is about? Okay, well, Set It Off is from 1996, directed by... F. Gary Gray, and it is about four desperate women in a desperate situation that take desperate measures to get themselves out, but only get deeper into desperation. Nice. I like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it does. Uh, directed by a very talented director. And man, I tell you, it had been a long time. I, I I think I had seen this film, you know, when it because uh, it had a hit cable run, you know, after it came out for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I caught it once, but didn't remember much about it. But this film opens it like. I mean, you know, it, it lets you know what you're in for. This, this film does not pull any punches with this opening where we get, uh, I believe it is the Frankie character mm -hmm. uh vivisha uh Viv sorry vivica fox um her character is working at a bank and it's being robbed and it's being robbed one of the people robbing it is someone she knows yes and you think in the beginning with the way the exchange is going you're like oh she's kind of going to talk him out of it or whatnot but no shit goes <laughs> south quick yeah Andrew, what'd you think about this opening with, with these, the guys that, I mean, blowing away the person right in front of her. I mean, Holy crap. Yeah. It is like, you gotta remember the, the, before this, um, F Gary Gray's movie was Friday. Like the year before this, he made Friday, which is a comedy classic in one of the best movies of the nineties. And so for him to, and, and, you know, you think about it now, it's like the, the, the parts of Friday that are intense, you know, mm -hmm. uh, where a big worm kind of comes back through and they begin to fire through the neighborhood and you know um 
uh, Smokey and Craig are laying in the back of that. I guess it's either the back of a truck or a back of an El Camino or something while the bullets are going over them. There are some serious moments in that, but I still don't think there was any indication this guy was going to be able to next year crank out a movie this intense. I really believe that Frankie and uh, and her friend there, Robin the Big, that situation would be like the climax of a movie that was just about her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you know just enough about her to know that <laughs> This is this is this is right away a, a horrifying moment, and you don't need to like have to get to know her for an hour, uh, but it would have been cool. But this is just like the way they set up each character in this movie is brilliant. But it's the pre-title sequence, and it gets yes, the, the movie is very violent, um, but not like uh, irresponsibly so. Um, no. It goes about as bad as a bank robbery could possibly go, but to have the teller with blood on her face because this guy that she knows, because at first she's like, "Hey, man, I, I, you know, I've never seen you in a bank before." You know, she's joking around with him, and he's like, "Do I look like I'm kidding?" And he like, you know, he's not only is he serious enough and desperate enough himself to rob a bank, but he kills a hostage right in front of her, just blood everywhere. Yeah, that it was intense and you know it you're right. It is a perfect setup and it's like something like you're like wow, okay, we just dive right into this and it would yeah. be something like a climax of another film that would be about her. I I like how you put that because yeah, that's the way it feels, but the way he sets this up, you get all the information you need about her character right in those moments. Right yeah. in the dialogue. Vivica Fox is such a great actor. Everybody is. But you think about it in terms of like uh, drive-ins or of like the tough kind of crowd coming to see it. Or or if you wanted to call set it off exploitation, which in a way it kind of is, that's how you do it. You give them some, you know, you give them something right up front. So they're like, whoa. And so you can then lay into the character development and not have people kind of getting restless wondering where you're going. It's It's an old technique, but it totally works when done properly. Yeah, and here it is done properly. I mean, the sequence is directed to where you you're you immediately feel for her character. You feel for the Frankie character like within the first few minutes and getting that connection like that helps with this first act so much because you connect with her and right after this man, you I don't know, Andrew, you know what? It it really is sad. And, and this uh, don't mean to get real serious on the show but it's true it is sad that you look at all these situations because you with each one of these ladies we're introduced to they're faced with a situation that's still a problem today oh yeah film's 20 years old here she is blood on her from a hostage in this office being interrogated by the white cop and with the white boss standing there Mm -hmm. And because she knew the guy from the projects, they're immediately saying, oh, well, you know, she." they immediately think she's in on it. Yeah. I mean, she's got blood on her face. She's shaking and she's trying to keep it together. And they're immediately like, oh, and then right there, the boss goes, uh, yeah, we're going to have to let her go. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, you get fired while you still got the blood on you from from this situation, you know, and boy, she lets him have it. 
Oh, she does. Oh, she. I loved when she laid into him. Yeah, that, that was like yes. But I mean, within within this five ten minutes of this film, you are connected with the Frankie character. I I love how they did this because. But and you think maybe she is going to be kind of the main line that you follow through. Like some of these stories that you have where you have four characters, they're still kind of the leader or main character, but, and we'll get to the other characters in a minute. I never felt like there was any one character dominating completely over the group, over the other. Did you, Andrew? No, I didn't. And it's, it's kind of brilliant uh, the way that they do that because the whole crux of this movie is these women do some, criminal stuff i mean they're bank robbers and so there's been throughout the history of film you know there's there's been a lot of movies where the criminals are the people who you are supposed to um be rooting for and in order to do that they had to make these people realistic enough and believable enough yet still likable enough to where you as the audience go would i do that or if i were them would i do that or you know what i mean it's that that whole time if you don't connect with them if you don't empathize i mean anybody that's had a crappy job or been accused of stealing which i've that's happened to me or just anybody who's like you know work is rough enough life is rough enough i don't need this and just imagine one more thing you know or everybody's just like one illness or car accident away from just complete financial devastation most people and so uh for, for you to then support this idea of them turning to crime, you've got to, you know what I mean? It's the movie's job to make sure that you uh, know these people really well and you're on their side. And they set it up in the first back in this first act so well, because if you didn't think it was bad for Frankie to have blood and, and bits of whatever hostage on you and then get fired that same hour, then we've got uh, Jada Pickett Smith's character, Stony, who she's trying to raise her brother because their parents died and she's hurting for some money. So she ends up having to do something. Oh man. And I loved I, I loved the setup with all these characters because they did not have these characters do these decisions likely. No. And her decision to get in that car with these sleazy salesmen. Uh, man, they, I mean, they, you feel for her. You, you just connect with that character as well. Did you feel that way, Andrew? Yeah. I mean, you know, let's, let's just say it. I mean, she has sex with somebody in order to get money. Right. And she's doing it because, uh, her uh, brother needs money to go to college and she desperately wants him to have a better life and desperately wants him to get out of where they live. And, uh, of course, later we find out that there's more to his situation than he told her. And man, what a break that is after all this. Oh, yeah. And she lets him have it, too. But um, the scene, the sh there's a shot where they show uh, her. They just cut to her doing what she's chosen to do. And all you see is this close up of this guy's back and him kind of grunting and the just the vacant look on her face. And then the walk she does uh, then yeah. the wide shot leaving that guy's house there's nothing sexual about it. there's nothing sexy about it. there's nothing funny about it but yet it just feels like that must be what that's like to have to be that you know to have to resort to something like that yeah they, they and again here we have our second character and they set it up to where you can see why they decided to go the route they did 
with the bank robbery. Yes. You know, and, and I was like, I'm watching this going, man, you know what? I don't blame these. I don't blame these ladies a bit. I, no. I'm rooting for them because yeah. of this, all the situations they're in. I mean, you get uh, Kimberly Elisa's character, uh, TT, who is struggling to keep her kid uh, babysitter and all the ladies, Cleo, uh, Frank, uh, Cleo, Stoney and TT all work for this uh, cleaning guy who doesn't Martha. treat them any. I mean, you might let's let's face it. There's people that might make assumptions just because uh, he is African-American as well. That they all, you know, it's one group, but he treats them like crap too. Yeah, that's um, uh, that's uh, Thomas Bird. He's been in a lot of Spike Lee movies, um, but he plays yeah Luther, their boss, and he's always busting on Cleo because she's a lesbian. Like yeah. he, he just he always refers to her as sir or him or just, or oh, it's just gentleman. Yeah, yeah gentleman. Yeah, he he's just so upfront and rough with. It. And this was before Queen Latifah was out too like mm -hmm. in, in real life yeah it it was before that and it's interesting because you're not quite sure what he was getting at at first and i kind of liked how he played at that with queen latifah's character chloe because when you when you first uh meet her he goes ladies and gentlemen and you're like right. gentlemen what why is he saying? <laughs> yeah why, why is he saying gentlemen and then we get the scene later on where they're all hanging out by cleo's car and then you realize why <laughs> Yeah, but they do they do butcher up pretty good though, you know. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, they do. Uh, but I mean, she's an amazing actress. I, I all these actresses are are fantastic in this in this movie, and I've always liked Queen Latifah's uh, acting, and she plays Cleo. You know, Cleo's a tough one too, who actually has you know she out of the three ladies, she's the one that has had some experience, um, breaking the law. Uh, because she used to lift cars. Yep. Uh, and but she's also the first one that's like, yeah, let's go rob a bank. Yeah, you you need that person in the group. That's what makes it believable to go from, you know, employed people and you know mother of child to robbing banks. You need that one person in there. <laughs> it's just like you know the enabler, and that's who Cleo is. She enables them. Oh, she's yeah, she's totally the enabler. You know, and and her challenge that's all her motivation is she she is in a tough situation as well i mean being uh you know in in the mid 90s being a lesbian and that that still was you know that's still not quite looked high upon at all or or at all well you they've, know. they've also known each other since you know they were in grade school at least or high school and they're all right. stuck in this place they can't get out of none of them really want to be there so yeah. If that's not motivation enough in and of itself, you know, things just oh, go from yeah. bad to worse. And I think TT has the worst because of her uh, kid. Um, there's a, and anybody who has a, a child or knows a child has to like feel for this because she has to bring the kid to work with her because she can't get afford the babysitter. And the kid gets into some cleaning products, has to go to the emergency room. So defects takes the kid away. Yeah. I mean, it's not fantasy at all what we're seeing here. No, every one of their situations is stuff that is real life yes. going on right now. And it it sets up the motivation for these characters to where, like you said, it, it's believable. It's got to be believable for you to 
stick with these characters and actually want them to get away with bank robbery. Yes. Um, you know, and it, it also, I, I liked how he handled that too, because their first bank robbery, not all four of them do it. No. Oh, poor TT. Like, and it's not a surprise, you know, well, she, she backs out and she, <laughs> she's like, I can't do it. But what's crazy is they're like standing there and the, about to go into the lobby and they're looking so suspect, putting wigs on, sunglasses, and people are nobody's. You know, say you know this is the bank. They're going to get away with it because no one notices. No, no one, no one bothers pay attention. I mean, they're walking in with wigs, and, and they don't even have all their wigs on yet, or or the sunglasses, and people just walking by, completely ignoring them. Like, well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, but yeah, TT. Uh, but I think I got the impression that TT was just a little bit younger than the rest of them, even though they all grew up together. Yeah, and this is a great casting too, because Kimberly Elise, um, this was her first movie, and of course she went on to, well, I know her best from uh, Beloved, which I watched last year, but it was also from just a few years later. It's one of the most the most frightening movies I've ever seen in my life. Really long, but worth it. Um, but this was the first thing, if it's not her first movie, it's the first time I ever saw her do anything. But she is so great at playing that uh, you know, everybody in the audience needs to maybe kind of identify some way and they make them different enough to where you could go like, that would be me. I would be so worried about everything and so chicken and just so afraid that I would be the one to cry. But later, this is when you, when they have to pick one for something really awful to happen to, you want it to be the most innocent of them and the most sympathetic and that is why they set her up to seem like she's the youngest because yeah. when when that happens it's it's awful upon awful yeah and it's interesting what they do with her character a little later on um after they've started their kind of life of crime um you know later on she ends up being the one <laughs> out of everybody she ends up being the one that takes a life mhm mm which is again, like you said, a message of total. The final drop of innocence goes yep. away at that point, yeah. In that group, and that's where it, and that's where the movie changed too, because the second act is really them uh, doing their bank robberies, and you're kind of cheering for them, and you know they're getting away. No one's really getting hurt. Um, you know they they have that big score. Which uh, which like what two hundred fifty thousand dollars? Yeah, that one's intense. The first score is like you. What you hope is that they get enough from that first one where they don't have to rob another bank, but it's nothing. Like it's it's just a, a you know like I don't know like five grand total what they get. I don't. It know. was twelve. It was twelve, 12 grand, grand total. So right. three grand of each of them. Yeah, but, that's not going to do much. So they yeah. have to go. They have to step things up and do things a little more. But what I thought was cool, um, they do introduce a love interest, and it is the. The, hard, the one of the hardest working dudes ever, Blair Underwood. We just oh. talked about him last time I talked to you. He was Carver and Posse. Yeah. Yeah. Blair Underwood was everywhere. He was, he was everywhere, dude. That never gets talked about. Denzel gets talked about the most because he got all the awards. But Blair Underwood, he's he he put in all the work. And so he's like a uh what he 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 works at the bank and Stoney kind of he takes an interest in her. So she develops a relationship with a dude working at a bank while she's robbing banks. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, and it has her, and here she's met a guy in Blair uh, Underwood's character, Keith Weston. She's met a guy who seems 
legitimately interested in her, even though they're from two different backgrounds um, completely. And she's kind of taken back by that, you know, and not quite sure how to approach that, but she's still got her loyalty to her, to her girls in the end. But she does struggle with that at times. And I thought that was interesting, though, how she kind of changed her mind because she found a, she's found a different way out. But she's you can tell she's fighting, not thinking that way. Yeah. And but she hit bottom early on. So what we didn't mention is that uh, her uh, brother, who she got all that money for <laughs> to go toward college, um, he ends up being murdered by the police because they think he was responsible for that bank robbery that happens in the beginning. Cause he's got uh, his head shaved in the same uh, design as the guy that was uh, that robbed the bank. Let me ask you a question about that, man. If you don't mind. No, go ahead. I cannot remember the guy's name, but he's been in a bunch of stuff too. He was in, um, he was in menace to society and then parodied that role and don't be a menace. God, I can't think of his name, but his face is so familiar. Um, he kind of is the mastermind of the bank robbery. He gets away, and later you find out he's friends with Stoney's brother, and you're like, oh no, what's going to happen here? He's got like AP, Acorn Projects, shaved into his head. And he's like, tells this girl in there, why don't you shave his head too? And she's oh. like, he's not from here. And he's like, that doesn't matter. And when she takes him away to shave his head, and you're not necessarily thinking what's going to happen. There's this shot of him looking like knowingly. Do you think he had her shave his buddy's head to look like his so that he might so the so that might actually happen so that the cops might see him instead and bust him for the robbery? You know, that was my immediate thought. Okay. That God, was, what a jerk, dude. Th that was my immediate thought cuz at first, you know, terrible. It, at first you'd think, "Oh, they're just, you know, buddies in yeah. the rough you know we in all honesty when i when i grew up on uh, 37th and galena there were a couple guys i know that were not into like heavy shady stuff but i know some guy you know even though I, at my age i still knew a couple kids who were uh doing some things for their brothers or whatnot but anyway um but you know you think it's that kind of friendship where they know the one guy's in the shady business but they're still good friends and they hang out and don't talk about it much and just kind of enjoy each other's company and whatnot and you think that at first but then he drops off that suggestion of sh doing the ap in the back of his you know uh, car uh shaving that in the back of his head and you're like oh shit yeah he's he's setting them up because of the way this guy because if you notice during the bank robbery he was the one closest to the door yeah yeah no they telegraphed this whole thing but i just wanted to make sure that i I felt like all the clues were there because the police focus on the AP thing. So, you know, they got that information, you know, they are looking for somebody with that in their shaved in their head. Right. And, and, uh, Lorenz, uh, he's played by Samuel Monroe jr. Okay. Um, Samuel Monroe jr. Yeah, he's been in, <laughs> I don't, I don't see him much anymore, but back then he was in a lot of like this type of stuff, but mm -hmm. he also, like I said, and don't be a menace. He made fun of it too. <laughs> he parodied his own role from menace to society. And, uh, but you know, too, he's, he's smart enough to know that he's probably under watch. Yes. You know, he, he's under watch here. He's got this guy who's connected with his sister who worked at the bank that he robbed. So, and word traveled already through 
where they live through their neighborhood of what happened to Frankie. Yeah. You know, so he knows that connection. I mean, the guy, unfortunately, is a perfect mark. Yeah, I just I'm sorry to jump around, but I I forgot about that. I meant to ask you when we were talking about it. It's like, God, that's that not only puts Stoney in like, you know, true, true desperation. Not only did she have sex to get this money, but then finds out that, you know, she got it kind of in vain. And then, you know, the parents are already mm-hmm. dead now. Our brother's dead, too. And the cops killed him. So you got this guilt of the police, which I thought was interesting because John McGinley, who's played a jerk in a million movies, um, is like the I guess the detective that's on the case, and he genuinely feels horrible about them having killed. Don't you get the feeling that he that he that that you know he feels really bad that they that the cops killed this guy? Oh yeah, you he I mean, you can tell this is a guy who is driven by duty, but at the same time, especially in that scene, you can tell he's just like, ah, oh, no, no. No, no. He, I mean, he's just constantly saying, he's like, he just knows it is, you feel, you actually feel like he does feel bad. He genuinely feels bad for the situation. Yeah, he's not the stereotypical dickhead white cop, although they could have had him play that. They're actually going for a little bit more with it, which I, I thought was really cool. Uh, it gave a little bit of an angle and uh you know, didn't necessarily let him off the hook, but it didn't just paint in broad strokes. And that's good because no, nothing in this movie does. There's gray area with everybody. There is gray area. And with him, you're not quite sure where he, he sits because at one, you know, he sits there and he wants to catch him. But at the same time, you he plays it very well to where you think there's another layer to him. He's not just the a-hole white white cop trying to bust these ladies. He He actually has a layer to him where you can tell part of him, just a small part is like, I don't quite blame him. I still need to bring you in, (laughs) you know? And again, it comes up, especially later on when they finally uh, catch up with one another, you know, it's his, it's his uh, partner, (laughs) detective Waller, who's just gung ho about getting rid of these four ladies. I mean, she's like, just no nonsense. Like, yeah, let's get them. Yeah. She was, um, I don't know her name, but she was in, uh, she was in this show called Rock with Charles S. Dutton uh, back then. Uh, she was, I guess, I guess she was his wife. Man, she was good. I can't remember the actress's name, but she. This, this movie's. I mean, it's it's super nineties. It's got all kind of nineties stuff to it, and we'll talk about some of it as we go. I'm sure, but like, um, the casting is fantastic, and there's not like anybody that's kind of just in there as a stand-in. They got great people for everyone, but yeah, they they could have made the cops be. Uh, you know, just really, really kind of wooden and, and one dimensional, but they didn't. No, and I was I was kind of glad to see it that way and actually <laughs> a little surprised because you kind of expect that from a film uh, like this, you know, this type of story. Uh, you, you do kind of expect that. And so to, to do that with the cop, I thought was really interesting. And it, it carries throughout this whole film, especially as we get into the third act, where, of course, things have to start falling apart yes because they're doing bad things and that's the thing that i thought was interesting they kept in this film it's still that film formula it, even though you're rooting for these people you, you, you're rooting for these characters and these uh, and you see where they're coming from and what they want to do to try to get out of their situation and how far they've gone but at the same time you realize they're still doing bad things yes 
And you know, in the end, there's going to be pay. You know, the, the, the devil will have his due of, at the end of the film. And it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's true. I mean, but you just never, the movie just moves at such a clip and uh, you, you, your heart is with these people uh, as you're going through the whole thing. All the performances are just so good. And as like the stakes get higher and higher and you realize that like you, you still think they'll get away, you know, you mm-hmm. still think there's a way out to it. And up through the end, up through up through the very end, you still think, man, okay, <laughs> we're not out of it yet. You're just you're in the same. It puts you in the same mindset as the characters. I think it, you know, completely successful. Oh, by the time you get to that big big score that they want, which ends up being knocking over the bank that uh, Stoney's boyfriend works at, um, for the big big score. When you get to that point, you think still that oh they could get away with this. Yeah, how about uh, Cleo's getaway driving techniques? Oh, man. <laughs> she needs a battery ram on everything. Dude, cause she's like the wheel man, you know? Like, uh, she I, was that the last job they pull where she just, like, drives the car or, or the van or whatever it was, like, right through the, the bank wall? And before, then... <laughs> the final, before the final one, yeah, the second last one is the one where, where the cops... It's interesting. They're the, the another bank that they decide to rob uh, they get up in their get up and, and there's a drunk outside the uh, a, a bank. And so the security officer is distracted by that, which helps them at first. The only problem is while the ladies are inside knocking over the bank, Cleo's out in the car and suddenly the real co- real cops show up, not just security guards, but the actual black and whites show up. So she kind of hides and she steals a car, uh, a truck. And drives it through <laughs> the back of the paint. It's great, isn't it, man? And the whole time you're thinking, like, man, they're going to run someone over. It is amazing that they do not just mow anybody down. But they they caused some car accidents. But as far as I could tell, they never squished anybody. No, they didn't actually hit anybody either. No, because she, <laughs> she smashes through on an angle and manages to cause two cars to crash. So the cops can't even follow them because they're like, what the hell? You know, <laughs> they're trying to shake down a... A crazy guy out in the street and suddenly this uh this truck comes crashing through the bank window yeah and they made off with that was where they made the their big score but greed kind of got in the way a bit <coughs> and that was when they tried to stash the money but then uh their boss luther made off with it right right yeah okay. and and that's the thing is they never quite established it but you've pretty much figured luther got away with it he just didn't give the money up because yeah after that score they're actually going to go out they they made $250,000 they that's it they're done they hide that money and suddenly they find out luther took it and that's pretty much where things just take a dive for all four of them yeah because him taking that money is they track him down to where he's he's in this hotel with this lady who um <laughs> a woman of the evening let's say a woman of the evening you 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 suspect and they're trying to interrogate him and and shake him down and he he brings out a gun and pulls it on stony i think it was was it or us uh, uh, yeah. it was oh yeah and uh, that's where, yeah, T.T. shoots him. So out of the four ladies who you think would shoot someone, you would think Cleo would be the first one to actually shoot someone. 
Yes, yes. And and the way that they have, the way that they do that, the shot that they do is amazing because you see him like pop and you hear it. And then he drops out of from camera and you see TT standing there with the gun and the look on her face. Holy shit. It's a great reveal. You've seen that done a million times where someone shoots someone and they can't believe they shot him or it's a surprise who shoots who. But boy, the way they do that is so great for that character. It's so and, cool. And the look on her face, too, the way she plays that, too, you're like, she was saving her friend. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was that that scene was intense. I mean, you get a number of intense scenes like that. And then, yeah, that's when things start to really head head uh, not well for them, because, well, now you've got a murder on their hands, which motivates the cops further. And they've got the money and, and Cleo was spending money before, which kind of, you know, got attention to her. But she got she tricked out her car, which was worth it. Oh, yeah, that car. Oh, <laughs> I love that car. I saw that car like, oh, man. Yeah, it's a nice, nice low rider. It's got some really good hydraulics when she's like punking her girlfriend when she first shows up with it. Yep. <laughs> tries to grab the handle and she lets it drop. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's humorous moments in here, too, and there's some, you know, some touching moments. I, I thought one of the things I really thought they handled well was the whole Stony and uh, uh, the uh, Stony and Keith Watson relationship, though. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it they didn't just have these characters immediately hook up or immediately, you know, like, oh, my God. Stoney still eases into it, and I liked that. I I liked that there was still hesitation, and it wasn't just a, okay, let's go. You know what I mean? Yeah, it gives some stakes, and it also makes you feel like, well, you know, someone's got a key, like a line into a better life. And, you know, although everyone deserves to have some kind of a break, you got to admit, Stoney deserves it the most. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, her character. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, for her to have someone take interest in her is just like she's has these wake up moment like you mean me yeah <laughs> so and, it's, and, it was really and good you know you know stony could probably detect bullshit a mile away and she's like this guy actually seems genuine <laughs> yeah yeah which which makes her doing you know the robberies or, or the decision to do a robbery even tougher but yet you know frankie i tell you frankie goes through a scary transformation in this film though she does she has to kind of catch herself because at first and you know she's gone through extreme trauma uh she and stoney both have and then of course uh, tt losing her her uh, kid to defects all of them have seen some like real really really serious trauma but frankie like the way she reacts to it um she just goes from like she starts to kind of lose herself in it personality wise and that's, I think, you know, fight or flight, I guess, a lot of times, you know? Yeah, I mean, she, also. She, she ends up start, starting to come off even scarier than Chloe because Chloe's just, you know, all into this. But, uh, you know, Frankie, she just comes off. It's like, wow. Yeah. It's like, holy cow, she just went hardcore. <laughs> yeah, they gave these women so many great things to do. And everybody gets their like, you know, their their real big freak out moment, and mm-hmm. also everybody gets like, you know, they they get uh, it. It's all dignified all the way through. And you got to keep in mind when we're watching this. No, they'd never made a movie like this before. No, female black 
bank robbers, even though the early nineties was, you know, pretty much littered with a lot of what we would call like gangster type movies, you know, like the modern gangster type movies. And, uh, you know, a lot of them were kind of messagey, but, uh, most, mostly violent. And, uh, it was just, it was unheard of to see something like this. And so, um, for anyone to like kind of misstep with it and make them into stereotypes would have been a bad idea. But I think what, what, uh, what Gary was trying to do was going like, I'm taking these female characters and these women who are normally like, um, either like the supportive one in a plot about a man or the victimized one in a plot about a man or both. And, you know, the, the usual female roles or even, you know, more the point the black female roles of these kind of movies and put them front and center and have them be the heroes and um, let them have the spotlight. You know, it was amazing to me. And I, I can't think right away of another time where something like this has been done. N- not like this. No, it were shouldn't say it or camp it up. You know, I was, that's what I was going to say is done seriously. Yeah. It, you know, stuff like this has been kind of tried later on, but it's more sticky, as I call it, you know, more like you said, campy, it, it kind of a bit tongue in cheek. Or if they do try to to uh, bring it serious, they just go over the, t- you know, they just do it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Or it's or yeah, it's preachy like a like a Tyler Perry movie or something. And you wouldn't you wouldn't get <laughs> your action and adventure. Yeah, it, it gets more, it, it doesn't get like this. This is an amazing film that they made like this and the way it's handled in the script and everything. And in that third act where they're they're knocking over the bank, the, the big, huge bank, and you almost think they're getting away with it. And then the, the cop who's been following him the whole time and his partner catch up. And that's what I what surprised me was him stopping and trying to talk them down. You know, he, he they didn't just go right into it where his his, his partner wants to shoot them, but yeah. he's like, no, no, let's do this. We we know where you're, you know, and they're all about to put the the guns down at least for except Chloe who's just like, what the hell? And then we get that dumbass security guard who comes out and shoots of all people, Titi. Yeah, but you know, she's the one who has shot someone, right? So it's like the the justice system of the film is now being kind of meted out because you don't want to condone criminal behavior. That would have been like an irresponsible thing for uh, for the film to do, even though, you know, history is full of Westerns and other gangster pictures where, you know, crime is glorified. They were careful not to do that. But um, what you didn't didn't necessarily mention explicitly was that his uh, his partner is a black woman, too. Yes. But yeah, yeah, for that guy to come and put one in TT, were you like at any time, did you think like any of these actors, any of these four women could potentially be killed at any time? Because I, I know that when we talked about Black Panther a few nights ago, you're saying like, well, you know, there's no element of danger really because, you know, Black Panther, the T'Challa is not going to get her. She's a hero. Right. But this movie being played as realistically as it was in, in the ensemble, any of these women, you hope nothing happens to him and like you said you thought maybe if anybody would be the one to commit the violence it would be uh, uh cleo did you were you afraid for all of them did you think anyone could get shot yeah i mean at any one of those bank robberies i was fully expecting us to get that scene where one of them ends up getting shot because 
you know, especially uh, where they had the one where uh, TT was actually acting at, like one of the uh, bank patrons. Yes. And that guy has concealed carry. That guy was about to pull a gun out. And I'm like, gosh, shit. Well, here we go. You know, before you see TT next to him, you're like, yep, here it comes. The, the <laughs> one where the reality check comes in for your characters, because you do get that in a lot of these movies where there's the reality check. They've been doing good so far, but then one of them gets shot or seriously hurt. And then it's like, oh, man, you know, when they start to question what they're doing. And you get that feeling with every crime that they've com they, they commit in this that you're waiting for that moment, actually. Yeah. And have it happen at the tail end of their, you know, quote unquote, their last job uh, to her specifically, like out of the blue, because the way he sets that up, there's no lead in to you thinking that someone's actually going to get just blown away. You think, oh, we're going to resolve it like this. And it's going to, you know, they're going to be, you know, put in handcuffs and, and they'll be taken out and lesson learned. And, no, this guy comes out and blows one of them away, and it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Even the cop, the way the, the guy was like, oh shit. Yep. He knew. He knew what was gonna happen. Yeah. And then from there it just gets insane. It does, man. Well, they ramp up the action, and you could see this guy is, has a future as an action director, or you know, and a and a drama director too. But I mean, he went on to do like uh like italian job negotiator mm -hmm. one of the fast and furious ones um god he did a he did one with denzel i can't remember the name of it it was it was a uh, really violent like almost tortury and then um of course straight out of compton which was just amazing yeah. uh and we should mention that dr dre's first movie role also i think is in this in this film he plays oh, yeah, uh the arms supplier black sam yeah, and, and I really thought that's the way they handled this third act interesting as well is because we have that shootout and them getting in the car and, and they take off and then we cut to him and his crew sitting there watching on the news mm -hmm. and suddenly we realize we've had some time pass. Yeah, it It's night and they're being chased by cops with helicopters. It's like, holy crap, but we didn't see... All of that buildup. I liked how he did that to, to where suddenly you just jump in and they're like desperation mode now. Yeah, but with, you still like you still have no clue how it's going to resolve itself. It feels like no. kind of like the real thing, you know, and of course, I, I think them showing Dre was funny because he himself, I think, <laughs> was <laughs> around that time had gotten some, some trouble with the police and there was, may have been helicopters involved. You know, he wasn't always the billionaire he is now, you know, he was yeah. struggling with some of that. Uh, so that was funny. I remember at the time, uh, people kind of laugh at that. His reaction to that was kind of like a wink or a nod to that. But sure, you, you really don't. You really are kind of glued to it. I mean, wasn't how, how involved are you at this point uh, when oh, you were I, watching? I, I mean, you're. I'm fully invested. You know, I mean, they, they the the heartbreaking where they have to leave. T, you know, she'd been shot and she she passes like that, and you feel their emotion. You know, they're just like shit. But you're attached to all these characters at this point. There, there is a part of you, even though they've committed, even everything that you've seen, there is a part of you. They set this up well to where the audience wants them to get away. Yes. You, you still want them to get away, even after all of this, because you have traveled with them 
throughout this whole movie. We barely leave their side. There's a couple cut scenes away with the cop. But other than that, you are with one of these ladies all the time throughout this whole movie, which helps you just stay connected with them constantly. And you want them to get away, but you know, you know how this is going to probably play out. But you're fooling yourself in a, because you, you've grown attached to these characters and seen the, the hell they've gone through. Yeah, and, but you know, once they split up, once they go their separate ways for reasons of just, you know, they literally cannot, you know, uh, Cleo does a really good kind of self-sacrifice play to where she like d dips into a, um, like a tunnel and she's like, you guys can get out now. That way the cops still think they're all in the car, at least for long enough for those two other two to get away. But when they, the group is, you could already say is broken up because one of them has died, but you still yeah. are like, no, I'll stay together. But as soon as you, let's split up, you're like, oh man. Part of you goes, ah, I'll, one of them's going to make it. Know, <laughs> one of them's going to make it. Like, hopefully they all make it, but you know, I mean, Cleo gives that thing, you know, Cleo's going to go out in a blaze. She's, they're setting up for like an amazing scene. Oh, and, would, would, yeah. When she stops the car and tells him to get out, you're like, oh, that's it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but she gets her chance to shine. Holy crap. She, nearly <laughs> crashes into a helicopter causes them to veer off crashes through a barricade gets shot up waits till they're close enough then comes out guns blazing dude it, she does a bonnie and clyde and a scarface within just a minute or so <laughs> it, it's and it's an intense scene and it's heartbreaking because again you know even for the the Cleo character, I, I if I've been saying Chloe, I have sorry, Cleo character, um you still feel for her too, you know, <laughs> even though she's been the the uh, uh, um the you know the uh, instigator, the uh, enabler, you still feel for her. Yeah, and to show there's a shot where after they just fully unload on that car, after she busts through the barricade and they're like, that's it, you're dead. And they just all, they put full holes. Gary just has this slow shot of the car, her car, like kind of, you know, slowly stopping. And they get that wide shot of the side of it and the rims and everything else. This wonderful, nice car that she finally got. And it's a great, great symbolism there. You know, like, you know, this they they had mentioned earlier in the movie you've had this car since high school and you've been fixing it up it's a piece of junk it's old she mm -hmm. finally got the whole thing tricked out and so for him to like focus on that you don't you don't get a shot of her in the car getting shot up you don't see that in fact they barely show the top of her head to acknowledge that she's you know no longer really driving this car but you think she's dead there because they give her that dramatic moment and he could have let let her have it there but not for cleo no. jumps out wham she does all tony montana it's just like you know rob zombie wished he could have done that in devil's rejects you know <laughs> giving it some real weight gosh she's just well you know and even all shot up she refuses to fall yes she's hanging on to the door of the car after all shot up and you know if she had an ounce yet she would be still shooting people as she goes down she holds on yeah yeah, it's a very if you're you know if you're going to glorify I don't even say glorify. You just you want to tie up every character in the best kind of possible way, you know, and and to that Cleo deserved that setup. 
She really did. And it, interestingly enough, you know, the, the gay character in the film too, mm -hmm. you know, which there was a lot of misogyny in, in hip hop and hip hop culture around that time too. So for her to be given that kind of a send off, um, I think was interesting given the times. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it, it is nineties. I mean, the music in here, <laughs> you know, and some of the, uh, the, clothing and style and especially the dialogue definitely all screams 90s very 90s they had a uh in vogue song during the love scene yes <laughs> yeah you gotta do it you know but i won't complain i could it's in vogue you know <laughs> <laughs> you had to you, you had to i mean uh, yeah <laughs> you gotta include it in there um but then what I also thought it was interesting is because the person who ends up surviving out of our quartet is not quite the person you think because of the way this movie started, because Frankie and Stoney are left then and they split up and we see Stoney and she actually, she's very uh, quick on her feet on how to get away. She, she hides amongst a bunch of old folks headed to Mexico <laughs> Yeah, she jumps on that that bus. The, the tour bus. Yeah. But it was also heartbreaking because you're sitting there going, okay, and then what about Frankie? Because we saw Frankie go through some shit at the beginning of the movie. And then that bus drives by and you see Frankie standing there with all the cops pointing at her. And you're like, ah, fuck. But you know Frankie is not going to give up, though. Oh, hell no. God, that scene. When she, when she pulls the gun and puts it on the cop who's been, you know, feeling guilty and trying to talk him down this this whole time after their first encounter and mm -hmm. she just throws his words back in her, his face from that very first scene where he degraded her she does it right back and you could see it in his face knowing exactly he's like shit <laughs> he's like <laughs> he's got that same fire she had man that opening scene when she let her boss have it she's not going to go out she's not going to go out without you know getting that no, and in this at this point too, this point in the movie, we're near the end. She's gotten even harder. I mean, she's even gotten more. You know, just this is this is the shit right here. Yes, and and this, you know that's heartbreaking as well because who's the first person to shoot her? Yep. His partner. Yep. Uh, you know, and and. I did like the fact because I was wondering whether or not they were going to have him look at the bus and notice that Stoney was there. And at first I thought, oh, maybe they won't. But then you do see he notices her there and says nothing. Well, he knows that they've gone. They've gone far enough. Yeah. You know, and he knows that he kind of they kind of owe her, you know, because of who that was. I think. You know, if it had been reversed or whatever, or if, you know, Frankie or Cleo had been on the, the bus, maybe it would have panned out a little different. But he feels bad still for them having murdered her brother. And so I feel like that was his that that figured in his decision to let her go. Oh, yeah, it, it definitely did, because he had been carried that weight of that guilt of the death of her brother throughout the rest of the film after it happened. And yeah, and now again, a great setup that everything in this script is I thought was really well thought out because there's that setup of motivation for all the characters, including the, the jerkwad white cop who lets her go. You've got the motivation of why he's doing it. It's not just a Hollywood thing. It's he's been carrying this. And like you said, 
he owes her one at least so you know so he lets stony go and that is not the person who i thought would have survived this whole thing no no but uh you know when it shows her on the bus you know uh driving away and looking out the window and stuff this is a scene that we get in a lot of movies kind of near the end and of course someone's either near a mirror or a window kind of you know just sort of like that literal self-reflection that you've got there but it made me think about midnight cowboy and every time i watch midnight midnight cowboy and you know ratso is on the bus i'm thinking this time he's gonna live to get to miami he's not this time he's going to I, every time i've watched it, he didn't make it every time i watch it I think, okay this time he's gonna because i'm so invested by the end yeah. you know I'm like so all you really hope at that point is like please let frankie get away or not frankie uh, please Stoney. please let stony get away and uh, uh let her not get caught when she gets to where she's going and uh, what's great is she cuts her hair and she shaves her head and uh then she looks like um she did in demon night yes Except for with uh, not bl- not blonde hair, right? Oh God, I loved her in Demon Knight. She's awesome. That's awesome. another. That's that's another fun movie. Yeah, what's neat is that you know Jada and uh, Queen Latifah ended up in Girls Trip this past summer, which I know you saw. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're little, back from each other. Set it off mini reunion in that movie. Yeah. So, oh man. So I think we broke down this film fairly well andrew was there uh something or you wanted to bring up we didn't touch on you want to talk about at all well i just like you know i was thinking like uh is it is it obvious that women wrote this movie because two women wrote the screenplay um you know what i'm going to say it was only because and i've noticed this in other indie films and i talked to and I'll, I'll get to my answer in a second. Sorry for a little roundabout, but I just want to set up that I talked to a, a female director recently of the horror film Ice Cream Truck, mm-hmm. and she wrote the screenplay as well. And where I'm going with is female screenplays, you can usually tell were written by women because the interaction of the female characters feels realistic. They did, and all that camaraderie is great, but it also reminded me a bit of the camaraderie, and maybe it's just because they were smoking weed in a, in a couple of the scenes, but it made <laughs> me think of Friday with uh, mm-hmm. uh, Craig and Smokey out on the porch. You know, they you felt that real kind of closeness with them, and, uh, you know, uh, F. Gary Gray, you know, whereas, you know, he's gifted with action, definitely, and suspense and all of that. Great with comedy still, and balancing all of that out. Oh, you get some humorous moments with them, but uh, for they sure in this film, real, you know, like real friends, it's heavy, but yeah, they felt like real friends and to, yeah, you could tell, I think that uh, it was a uh, female screenplay writers on this just because of the interaction among the female characters. It, it always just feels more realistic when it's written by a female for obvious reasons of course but they're not as stereotyped and idealized and you know uh, but i also want to know um because we're talking we were you know black panther is the conversation uh of the moment with film uh right now um do you feel like um movies like set it off need to be made or will be made or should be made uh you know presently or in the future I think it's kind of time for them to have 
already t tell enough stories like this and, and go on to tell different types of stories when it comes to, you know, films about black characters. You know, I, I think with the times, the way they are, I, it really depends on the story yet to tell. I mean, there's always stories to tell. Mm -hmm. um, but one like set it off. Do we need one exactly like this? I'm not really the one to make that call. I, I think they should still be made. Because for obvious reasons, you look at the movie set it off and the situations that the characters are put in are still problems today. Yeah, I was thinking that same thing, too. You know, like uh, um, this this was in 96 this was way before, you know, um, the, you know, the economic disasters <laughs> that mm -hmm. we were going to face. And so um I just I just feel like as long as people are in desperate situations and, and doing things like that, uh, stories like this are always going to speak to them no matter who they are. And I still think we're nowhere, nowhere near where we need to be in terms of films about women uh, necessarily and uh, about them working together. Definitely. And so, um, I, you know, thinking about it now, though, I'm just like, hmm not told maybe the exact way because it was done so much back then you don't see a lot of movies like this now um but yeah i, I don't I'm, I'm kind of on the fence of it as to you know whether or not uh you know if, if if set it off were announced to be remade how that would get responded to I, it's it's going to be approached differently just because filmmaking in general is taken such a the, the least wide release it seemed big production type filmmaking seems to have taken a, an int a different turn and approach to things that I think they'd be approached differently. I think there's still stories to tell. Again, I'm not exactly the qualified person to say it. I'm, I'm putting that out right now, but I still think stories like this need to be told. They not exactly this way, maybe mm -hmm. uh, a slightly different approach, but I think they're still out there that need to be told and addressed and help keep these topics still obviously in the forefront because they still need to be dealt with because they haven't obviously been in 20 years. Yeah. Not necessarily package it up in a fantasy to where you're dealing with allegory and metaphor. Right. Right. Cause, um, it, while that's makes for some creative film work, sometimes you need it right in your face. Yeah. So yeah, good questions, man. Um, I'm okay. not quite sure, but, I, I know if there was one made, I'd go, I'd go see it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I just, I'm always a fan of the, you know, the female ensemble, you know, and especially seeing them do something unusual. And I still feel like even today set it off. Not only does it still work, but it's still kind of an unusual film. Well, yeah, because you don't have the girl, even when they do have a conflict, it doesn't last that long. And, and amends are made versus sometimes you get this where there's still the grudge throughout the whole group constantly, you know? Yeah, the only time one of them pulls a gun on the other, the way that that is resolved is way different than I think it was. It would be resolved in a you know a film where men are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I I agree. I I was impressed that they the way they set it up uh, to be resolved. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm good with this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
So, so we'll wrap it up here for the night. Uh, I hope uh, our listeners enjoyed our conversation on Set It Off. If you haven't seen this film, even though we spoiled a lot of it, I suggest you still watch it because there's still plenty of stuff in here. And if nothing else, for the performance of these very talented uh, individuals who are in the film, I think uh, these four ladies were fantastic in it. And uh, we're just the, we're the right casting personally for it. And uh, yeah, I'd recommend it. How about you, Andrew? Absolutely, man. Cool music. Way better than people think it might be. And uh, definitely, you know, F. Gary Gray is a great director, but he also put together, like I said, wonderful cast. These people are all very, very talented. And, you know, just watching it, you're just riveted from beginning to end. I don't think enough people have seen it. And definitely, I don't think enough people are talking about it. And it definitely... You know, when it comes to 90s movies um, is really, really unique from that time. And it's still topical today. Yes, <laughs> <So>. absolutely. <laughs> oh, good, good, good or bad, it's still topical today. Yes, it um, is. So uh, I want to thank you, Andrew, for joining me again uh, for talking about a film like this. Uh, it's been f- fun discussions. These are some really interesting films that I hope people check out. And we got you interested in it. And now here's the point of the, the uh, podcast where you get to hear where you can hear my guest when he's not here uh, talking to me in the spoiler room. So, Andrew, go ahead. Where can they find you at and your stuff at? Oh, man. Hey, everybody. So um, I <laughs> fans have set it off <laughs> necessarily. I don't know if they would be into the movies I make or, or not, but um, uh, we have film female centric movies. My friends and I uh, here in Athens, Georgia make, and they are all over Amazon prime for you to check out. Just search G O N Z O R I F F I C guns And you know, you don't even have to like really watch them. If you don't like, just let them play in your house. You can contribute to low budget filmmaking just by streaming our movies. You don't even have to pay attention to them. The beauty of it. <laughs> play them in the background <laughs> yeah play them all the time dude play them all the time play them at your friend's house too it's like hey man instead of listening to this uh carrot top album again can we just play these movies you know just for background <laughs> i don't i don't know if anyone listens to carrot top albums but well they're not gonna let you know but anyway yeah no. man these they're female centric films and definitely made by by a bunch of uh you know a bunch of people interested in some feminist propaganda so maybe it relates a little bit to the topic so check out the good stuff all all fun entertaining interesting stuff not as heavy as set it off uh but still fun cinema so uh thank you andrew and thank you to our one listener who has been uh, with us all night we appreciate you tuning in and uh yeah andrew let's say good night sir good night man i'm still thinking about cleo on top of that car with that girl Hey, all my spoiler room friends out there, if you like what you hear, why not head on over to iTunes and like, comment, and even subscribe to our channel. It always helps us out. Or you can find us on Stitcher Radio as well. You can drop us a tweet on the Twitter at Spoiler Room PDCS or Special Mark Pro. Look for us also on Facebook at the Spoiler Room Podcast or in the Special Mark Productions Facebook group. Let us know what movies or topics you'd like to be discussed in the Spoiler Room where the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.